Welcome to the Dream Team. We have the Dream Team here with us today with uh, my amazing co-host, Stevie, and regular Sound of Ages, Early Music Monday contributor, Drew slash Andrew Maxfield. For the Andrew special, I hope everyone's excited. I am. Yes. Don't just dream it. Do it. Yes. <laughs> okay. So the what I would like, I'd love to go over just some concert reviews today for Early Music Monday. Andrew uh, attended ACDA Western Conference uh, last weekend. Yep. Yeah, last weekend. And then Stevie had a chance to go to a Votius 8 concert. It was like, when was that? Like, Three weeks ago, a month ago, uh, two weeks ago, two weeks ago. Yeah. So, we have some concert review to be informed about by our awesome peeps. So I don't care who goes first. Stevie, why don't you go first? No. <laughs> Shaking his head. He's he needs time um, to gather his thoughts. <laughs> we'll let we'll let Drew go first. Thank you. Well, I've got the uh, program book here from ACDA Western. Nice. And looking back over the uh, programming from all of the concerts, and I think the first thing to say is that it was re really refreshing to be back in real places with real people and hearing real singing. Yeah. Um, no, no substitute for that after so so long spent in COVID land. Um. And there was a really wide variety of music performed. I think they did a great job um, actually prioritizing, in a way, um, jazz ensembles and mm. um, giving, you know, sort of sharing the stage with Bach, so to speak. I mean, it's never, I mean, of course, there's always variety, but but I think they give an extra attention to this this notion. The conference theme was called Lift, Lift Every Voice and Sing with an emphasis on every, and I think they variety was was um amazing yeah that's great how did you feel like well i guess if you were gonna like break it down for uh, wh what did you feel i don't know i mean i've been to the national conference a couple times and i've been to the regional conference a couple times and i feel like there's usually a pretty good variety of types of choirs as well you know, like school, young younger choirs, older choirs, community choirs, college choirs, etc. Oh, absolutely. absolutely. And is that still the case in this conference? Yeah, so I'm looking back over the the booklet here. And on Wednesday, it started with the jazz ensemble called Pacific Standard Time from Cal State Long Beach. And they were, mm -hmm. I mean, that was home turf, right? Right. And then we had the Angel City Chorale, uh, which was uh, community. We had the Bob Cole Chamber Choir, of course, from yeah. Cal State Long Beach. And uh, um, then on Thursday, we heard from uh, Harriman High School, Andrew Howden. I don't know if you Oh, yeah. That's that. right. Yeah. That's right. Yeah. I forgot Andrew participated. That's cool. It was his women's course, right? His like advanced women? It was. Or was uh, it his chamber? High, no, it was chamber. It was high school Vivace. And uh, uh, they, they were they were phenomenal. That's awesome. Yeah, and then it was University of Hawaii chamber singers with Jay Saplin, 
and uh, that was an exciting performance. Um, women's Chorale from, let's see, Clovis North High School, Soccer Profana with Juan Carlos Acosta. They were incredible. I mean, it was, it, and then the, the San Jose State uh, Choraliers with Jeffrey Benson, just phenomenal performances cool. and a really great variety of choirs. Yeah, that's awesome. And BYU singers sang, right? They did, yeah. I mean, I could keep going down the whole right. list. No, yeah, you don't have to go down the whole list, but yeah, that's amazing. Any particular... We only, we only have Stevie for 40 minutes, you know what I mean? When it, when you when you only rely on your co-host for a certain amount of time, you got to kind of sacrifice uh, some of the content here, so... Yeah. Wow. <laughs> wow. <laughs> I'm sorry. I guess, I guess being a dad is fine. I guess taking your daughter to school is... A, reasonable excuse whatever i am hiding in my car right now for the, <laughs> the chip oh it's amazing it's amazing there's so no, does any there's no quiet place in my home so so uh so andrew anything um i guess when you when you think of the rep and you know at at conferences like this usually typically the programming is a little bit more um it's kind of built around like providing a variety of genres intentionally, like a showcase type thing. And it, I don't know, my, the, my concert conference concert going experience has been sometimes there's really strong themes and sometimes there's not, but the themes are then built around just a showcase of variety. But yeah. of that, what, were any particular uh, early music pieces, did any of them, were there any that stuck out in your mind? Oh, you turned the, the question right there at the end towards early music. So I, I did. Thinking first about the comment about variety. Yeah. But yeah, you can go on that first. Well, starting there, and, I'm, and then I'm, I'm going to, re I'll review and talk about early music as I've kind of flipped through here and see what there was. Um, it, it, you know, it's these are performances for, other singers and teachers of singing and so i think it's a little bit of inside baseball when you when you hear concerts mm -hmm. in a conference there's no question about that and um getting back to that earlier theme i think variety um and diversity were were major factors in the programming but it's really interesting like uh, jeffrey benson's performance with the san jose state corlears was first off it was phenomenal mm -hmm. um and if I remember right, it was the entire set was performed without pause or applause. They just they moved right through it. If I remember right, love but that. But it was, I mean, the um, it went from tell your story, child's uh, child from voices without borders. This was Kendrick. I don't know how you say the last name H U Y N H Ha or something. Then it went straight into Lobet der Herrn from Bach. Mm. Then No Fairy Tale by Zenaida Robles. Then We Can Mend the Sky by Jake Grinestad. The New Colossus from Sandra Troy. And the thing that is astonishing to me when you think about it from a pedagogy perspective is um, how, just how many things um, singers are expected to learn how to do. <laughs> yeah, for real. And it's, it's kind of curious because we're at a moment in... You know, we're like at the confluence of a thousand rivers in history where, yeah. you know, you, you can't just sing from one tradition 
mm-hmm. um, the way that you could have if you were, you know, if you were in Bach's own church choir, you would be doing German music in exactly one way. Uh, yeah. And but the further you move in history, and particularly after recorded music, I mean, here we are with what, like 60,000 tracks being added to Spotify every day. And, Jeez. and every conceivable type of music available to people to listen to. And, and it's, uh, I think it ends up being this kind of thing where um, we, you can't just do one thing. Yeah. And uh, that's, you know, and if you think about high school singers or college singers, people that you have for a couple of years in those couple of years, you know, you're not going to go deep into just one well. It winds up being right. uh, kind of a, a, a super survey of, of the entire history of world music. Right. <laughs> yeah. Oh, man. Well, when no, you say no like big deal, that, right? Yeah. No, when you say it like that, it's just like a walk in the park. Stevie, what does that make like? Stevie, I'm interested to hear your thoughts about that, about in terms of like from a singer's perspective of, you know, doing different styles and adjusting and. Actually, I have maybe contradictory thoughts on this. I I agree that that's how it is, but I actually find myself a little bit irritated as a singer by that fact. How like, yeah, if I know I'm going to perform for something, you know, prestigious, like an ACDA, I know for a fact the repertoire is going to be so scatterbrained. It might have a theme. It might all be about birds or, you know, rivers or whatever. Birds is my favorite theme. Yeah, birds. Like, you know, but it's going to be, here's a dead composer. Here's a a Renaissance composer. William Bird about birds. You know, here's... That's a great idea, actually. Here's back (laughs) about birds. Here's, you know, you do like one... It's like, it's just like a rite of passage. You must pick a subject mm-hmm. and then find that in every single genre. And I just, I'm like, you know what? If you want to sing early music, sing it. If you want to sing, mm-hmm. you know, only romantic, just do it. Like, I don't know, but it, you have to, it's almost like, well, I think it dilutes the power of any one of those genres. You know, like if mm-hmm. I, like for you, example, for example, um, I just, you can't just do, renaissance you know because it's i don't know it's weird at one of those events but i don't i I wish it wasn't weird right right in time everyone else like all they want to do is the modern stuff like i'm just going to do whitaker and narvo parrot and you know and then i'm going to have this one (laughs) that'd be an incredible combo it would be and then i'm going to have thomas palace you know but it's like the obligatory early music piece yeah because of how they do it it's it's then it's then framed as the obligatory early music piece, you know? Yeah. Oh yeah. And I think piece of music as well. Yeah. And we just did our, we just did our festival for chamber singers festival this last Wednesday and every single group had the obligatory dead composer, the slow, pretty contemporary and the African-American spiritual. Yeah, like you all, have- all of them. They, that's like the formula and all my students know that formula because I've, taught it to them after a while and so they they know that formula they're like here's the formula here it is <laughs> and we did yeah. and we did other things but it was just like yeah and i i wonder what's the if 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 there's some difference to the diversity actually adding to the performance or or variety for variety's sake 
you know. Yeah, it's, it's interesting that it, it's so ingrained in us to do that. That yeah, maybe it doesn't take away, but it it just is. It's so formulaic that it gets boring to me as yeah. a singer. So I just I want. There's probably mm. a good reason for it. We could probably discuss that. Maybe it's interesting to discuss that, but. Looks like yeah. comment. Well, I think it's interesting because it if it dovetails into how composers are trained. I mean, for what it's mm -hmm. worth, nobody really cares about composers. But um, um, <laughs> when you say it like that, I mean, I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> Just another unemployed musician. Um, <laughs> but uh, you know how how do composers become composers? Well, typically, you know, you these days you'd go to university and. Mm -hmm they farm you from one teacher to another and you get this kind of like um, salad bar thing where you pick up a little bit of this from one person's perspective and a little bit of that from another person's perspective. And then it's in the context of it being your job to assimilate all of history's uh, compositional techniques. Like it does you a favor to say, well, now we're going to rotate a a tone row people and you need to write your 12 tone piece and all this kind of stuff and you know it's kind of, to me it's similar with this kind of like uh you know super variety as the gold standard for programming because every composer winds up with the, this sort of training and then it and then the irony is that they think that you'll find your own voice by doing that um and I, I guess I was sort of like of that opinion until I started studying with the person that became really my mentor, Philip Lasser. And his he has the opposite opinion, which is you don't need a thousand points of view. You need to go deep into one point of view so that you, your roots can get all the way down to wherever the water is. And then mm -hmm. once you do that, you know, then forage and everything that you add add to your toolbox becomes part of your voice but it's a little bit like when stravinsky went and apprenticed himself with rimsky korsakov uh mm -hmm. he was just the it was a master apprentice relationship right and he was the yeah. apprentice and how long did it last well it was like five years or something and at some point rimsky says i think you know all the things that i know you should just go do your thing and I've, i i think that going deep is its own virtue if the goal is for people to become good at something as mm. opposed to kind of like um tourists and i think in composers can become tourists really easily where you're like ah, a little bit of this a little bit of that perspective x y and z um and i and it sounds like maybe that could be the case from programming but that's that's your side of the fence yeah yeah i think that's super interesting because again and and you know maybe that's uh, and I think it's such a hard balance to find because in an educational setting, in an educational setting, if you're training singers and choir members and conductors, you I don't know the the edu the pedagogue in me says, well, then you need to know like how to kind of do all of it, you know, right? Versus right, right. choirs that aren't edu aren't educationally, um aren't connected to educational institutions, then maybe you have a little bit more leeway to do that like deep, not wide kind of, kind of thing. Um, but, but I don't know, even then, like there's, there's fantastic specific niche ensembles 
that are connected to universities all the time. Yeah, it's interesting because when you get back to that question of like, what is the singing for? You know, what what's the purpose of this activity? Looking back in the program booklet, um, let's just agree that Bach is not early music. Can we agree on that? Yeah, Baroque. <laughs> I mean, Baroque music. <laughs> just <Let's>... kidding. <laughs> Just last episode, Cameron was like, Bach Bach is, uh, he considered Mozart the end of uh, early music. Oh, so I just took for granted an assumption that maybe we'll have to, maybe we have to. I think this is a great, I think this is a really great, great discussion to have in the future. I I, I don't really care. We can, that's the whole, the whole, I, expanding the scope of what early music is, is the whole goal. Because you could argue, well, I mean, that, it, it, you know. So the goal is to keep progressing forward in time until we get to the present. Everything is early music. Is that- Everything, the music being written tomorrow is early music. <laughs> anything I li- anything I listen to before noon is early. It's also uh, that. No, I mean, here's the thing, right? So we had the Bach Collegium San Diego perform. Oh yeah. Unsurprisingly, they performed Bach, and let me just say that it was absolutely flawlessly beautiful it was it was so great yeah in my mind though that you know the the confluence of baroque music the thing that tipped the scales was that we we had a we finally arrived at a tonal language that became common practice harmony and so for me that's where early turns into something else but the point is the reason i mention that is that aside if we if you look pre-bach in the programming um I can only count two pieces. Oh wow! There's there is um, a bird piece that I missed because I had to leave earlier on Saturday morning, and then there was uh, Swelink by. No, there were two Swelink, if I remember right. Oh yeah, BYU singers did a Swelink. Yeah, except it's not on the program booklet. Now that I'm looking at it, that's what's weird about it. Anyway, point is there was very little early music, but. In the conference called Lift Every Voice and Sing, and Sing, we had all sorts of things like the new collective consciousness, hashtag United We Dream, uh, America Will Be. Those were selections from Tonality, and that group is amazing. It's yeah. like the the pinnacle of the, the super Swiss Army knife trained L.A. pro singing mm-hmm. scene. I mean, those, these singers are phenomenal. Um, and then you get back to that's like, well, what is the singing for? There, they, right. there's sort of like a social purpose for singing, yeah. as opposed to an educational purpose, like what you were talking about. Right. And um, yeah, you know, when you're programming early music, I, I don't. It, it's hard to argue that it's you know the most exciting social purpose music. Right. <laughs> Fair. I have no, I have no like rebuttal for that other than correct, <laughs> but we should still sing it. Yeah. I definitely agree. We should still sing it. I, uh, I do think it's interesting though, that this variety is built in and I, you know, I do, I like the variety as a conductor and a singer, but sometimes the, the fact that it, the variety is so formulaic, that's what, you know, yeah, sort of yeah, I totally agree. Um, so have, to switch gears. Oh, sorry. I was going to let you just it, go. Just trust your new co-host. I was I was on my way to do it. Uh, then you have groups. 
then you have groups that are like prolific enough where they can just do one thing. And one of those groups that has entered the realm of that is Vojus 8. And they, um, you know, like they just recently uh, put out this album called, what is it called? Infinity, where mm-hmm. every song to, to a non-super choral nerd sounds very, very similar. They're all like these... Um, ethereal meditation kind of music and and they're in the whole album there's got to be like 12 total words yeah uh, so it's all just it's all just like oohs and ahs and mm's and stuff and and i love it absolutely love it it's like 14 songs of just that uh, but it's beautiful mm-hmm. but i love that they did a whole album of it so when i'm in a when i want that you know meditation kind of feel i put on the whole album mm-hmm. and shuffle and I get a lot of variety within that little uh, nuanced genre, you know, and it's yeah. really, really cool. But I think Voucher State does a good job of that. And, and they also do a good job of the variety thing, which is what I wanted to talk about with the concert that I went to. Um, and that is, uh, they made the variety so interesting. So they did the formula. They said, here is a compilation of dance music. That was what the, the genre was it was a, a dance music concert you know and <clears throat> within that of course you know choir directors can stretch you know like this is related to this is totally related to dance music <laughs> no because that's what you think of when you think of choral music i think first of dancing <laughs> yeah yeah totally. <laughs> uh, but they did it so well so they went through their whole their whole set but they kept making references to you know, little jokes like how they couldn't dance or like maybe in this song we'll dance, maybe in this song we'll dance and they kept not dancing. Yeah. You know, but, um, <laughs> but they kept, you know, just they actually described to the audience uh, how each piece related to dance music. Uh, but then within that, they put a really good variety and they talked, they, they actually addressed the variety. Maybe that's, maybe that's part of the problem for me is they don't talk about the differences. I don't know. Yeah. Anyway, but they did the whole concert and I remember I went to the, to the lobby, to the bathroom afterwards, you know, and I heard all the people chattering about what they liked, and every single person, their favorite piece was the Runestead, you know, the Let Love, Let My Love Be Heard, and then there was, um, mm-hmm. they did uh, Ave Maria, um, yeah, Bobo Di Dizio Diego, that that one, oh yeah, the the Rachmaninoff, yes, and. Uh, and everybody that was those one of those two was their favorite song. Every single person. Yeah. Anyway, but then we got to the end of the concert, and I I was somebody asked me what my favorite piece was, and the one that was stuck in my head was the very first song, um, William Byrd sing joyfully. <clears throat> so the whole it. concert, they sang it the first piece, and uh, it was something about their their like. Their resonance and their phrasing in the blow the trumpets in the new moon yeah uh, it just stuck with me for like three weeks and i was like why that like i don't care about blowing trumpets in the new moon like it's just (laughs) you know which is incredible because the concert was only two weeks ago so (laughs) we need to have an episode breaking down that piece before it leaves your head (laughs) it's weird it's like I, i couldn't even I was I kept singing it on the drive. It was in Wichita, just four hours away from me. And I was I kept singing it in the car. My wife's like, "Why that piece?" I was like, "I don't know, actually. I should probably discuss it on the podcast." <laughs> Dude, I heard 
I think the same program. It I'm was, sure you did. But they did it in twenty nine in twenty nineteen in October. I have the program. Oh. With all my notes on it, it was Voce Choral Dances. Is this true? That's the exact program. I actually sent a picture to Cameron. Yeah. Yes. No way. Then Benjamin Britton. Yep. So the actually the Benjamin Britton. If I think about what my favorite piece was, it was Benjamin Britton, uh, Choral Dances from Gloriana. Yeah. And then they did some jazz. They did, um, you know, Bogodovitsu Dievo, Let My Love Be Heard, Palestrina, uh, Bach. Oh, no, this was a, a swingle singer's Bach where they do like the, yeah. the yeah. Do, 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 you know. Uh, and then Thomas Wilkes, as Vesta was from Latinus Hill Descending. Actually, talking about that piece really fast, I'm kind of going a thousand miles a minute. Oh, that's uh, great. That piece is the the piece that pretty much any anybody with a music degree should probably know because it's the one where they say running down the hill running down the hill yeah, yeah. the the word painting like, you know like stuff. invented word painting you know yeah um but the way they did that was was just it was they didn't address it right they didn't they didn't say at the beginning watch how this one mm. you know shows they just said we're going to do a piece you know from from the olden days uh but then they acted it out and they like made it silly, but not not in a way that made fun of the piece, but just I made like it trite. Yeah, uh, and they actually like acted it out. You know, the guy was running down the hill, and, and there was, I remember there was this big pedal tone in the bass, and the the bass like looked at his watch, and he was just like, "Okay, well, I guess yeah. I'm gonna sing for the rest of my life." <laughs> Every time he take a breath, he he made the audience excited, like, oh, "I'm gonna change." Nope, singing the same note. I mean, the the acting of it made it interesting enough to the audience that the audience saw that it was word painting they saw that it was this new yeah. technique in early music but they didn't really have to say anything anyway i th i think what it gets at though when you were talking about what's the singing for because at acda you've got this like technical audience and mm. sometimes it's you know the, the the singing is educational or it's to serve an educational purpose or or whatever this is I think these concerts by Voce Set are so cool and so interesting because it's hard for me to think of anyway a better vocal ensemble. I mean, I yeah. we 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 could uh, we could go to the mat over that, but I mean they're about <laughs> as good as any any anything that's out there. Right. And, right. And simultaneous in terms of just like pure like uh, vocal finesse and quality and the ability to sing absolutely anything perfectly. And yeah. at the same time, they never forget the audience. They don't mm. they don't let their own uh, like programming agenda or whatever get in the fact that they are actually serving an entertainment purpose. And I don't mean entertainment like it now it's suddenly lowbrow or they're selling out or something like that. Because look at what they're singing. I mean, they they were yeah. They, they opened with Bird, right? And, they, and they then Benjamin Britten and then Rachmaninoff. Like, this is not a but, a fluffy. No, it's not fluff. And yet, uh, when I when I saw them, I was at the back of a long one of these long Episcopal churches in Connecticut. And the thing that was astonishing to me from the back was seeing the age range of the people in the hall in front of me. Because I've been to plenty of classical music concerts, choral concerts, orchestral, whatever, and it's a sea of gray hair, right? And it's 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 a crisis for arts organizations because 
all of their constituents are going to be dead in 15 years. <laughs> right. But I went to this thing and it was the most age varied concert I think I've ever been to in on the classical side of things. And yeah, wow. The the way that the ensemble sort of invited the audience into every one of those pieces was just astonishing. Yeah. Uh, they they are masters of musical evangelism and mm. uh, i mean it, it's on one hand it's self-serving because they need generations of people to care about this they they want people to show up and buy tickets so they've got all these kind of like educational things that they do through the, through the foundation side but on the other thing on the other side i think it's really genuinely um inviting people to care about like the full breadth of vocal music and I, I i just think it's it's so effective the other thing that's really interesting when you're sitting in a hall like that and you're thinking about early music i felt like sing joyfully sounded about three times as loud as any of the other um well a, as more the more chromatic music when you hear those big consonances in, yeah in early music and simpler harmonies the i feel like the the resonance the like the additive resonance in the space it literally makes the music louder yeah and then when you get when you get into more chromatic harmonies and jazz harmonies and things with more complex things it's still cool but the dynamic level falls in the hall yeah it, interesting it is really well well it's interesting too that makes me think of at our festival this past week, we did, we did um, uh, Ernesto Herrera's Eli Eli La Masa Bactani that BYU singers did a while ago, and then we did Movement Two of Von Williams' Don Anobi's Pachem Beat Beat Drums, which is like bass and alto doubling each other, soprano and tenor doubling each other in open fifths literally moving in parallel fifths and stuff. And it's like, it is louder and it is higher in their range. But, but the, the Herrera piece has these really tall tertian uh, sonorities that are kind of jazzy a little bit. It's got that Cuban influence. And then, and it what like those big chords I expect, I was like trying to pull it out of them, but the, the beat beat drums, those fifths, I mean, it's like a laser that just like shoots through. And so I think those simpler harm, I think that totally plays out even when you're not in a hall like that. Yeah, it, it's physics. Because the, the, the auditorium where we performed is muy terrible in its <laughs> acoustical aesthetic. And, uh, but yeah, it's that, that physics of that open sonority that just carries, you know. Nice so Stevie, the, oh, sorry, go, keep go going. Ahead. Well, I was just oh, no. say, I think um I think what made that choral dances program so exciting and effective was there were different things to feel throughout the course of the program uh, from an audience perspective. Somebody parted with cash to sit there and mm -hmm. they never not once did Bocha say disappoint because there was that peculiar loudness and and resonance and excitement of the early music and then there was the the funny stuff where they kind of played up the word painting without being didactic. And then there was newer music that uh, 
you know, harmonically sounded like stuff that we're more familiar with if we listen to the radio. And mm-hmm. they just wrapped it all up in one wrapper. It was it was amazing. Yeah. Yeah, Stevie, what was uh if you had to take away other than specific rep in general, what was what are some of like your main takeaways from that concert? Um well I think one of my main takeaways actually would be how unapologetic they were about mm. what they chose to do. Yeah. Like it was it was here are two pieces about love, and then they did as Vesta was from Lapis Hill Descending. But then they immediately followed it up with this French piece. I don't can't even remember. Oh yeah, Orlando, Orlando de la Sue. Um but because they set it up with like the funny acting stuff in the Thomas Wilkes. And the next piece was in French, which obviously it, nobody, if any, speak in the audience. Um, but because they did the acting thingy, they set it up perfectly to where they just continued the acting. They already had characters built in. They didn't have mm-hmm. to like tell us the translation. They didn't have to tell us anything about either of the pieces. But because the first one had text painting, uh, they were able to establish these roles, like the bass is this like, you know, dorky guy and the baritone, you know, moves around and flirts with the soprano. And then in the next piece, they were doing the same acting and they were speaking a different language, but we were able to understand mm-hmm. what was happening without super titles, without them printing it in the program. Uh, so just like little subtle things like that, where they, they were able to forego a lot of the the standard things like you know, printing the text or, or spending, you know, five minutes talking about it. Yeah. I think that's really profound. Um, kind of like a uh, subtle genius part of their ensemble, I think. And you can see that you can see that in their albums too. Like I feel their albums have that same effect, even if they're not quite as niche or whatever, but I feel like that, that, it's I mean we're so accustomed to stories and to you know we're watching Netflix we're watching movies we're watching these then then all of a sudden we're at a concert where the narrative is not quite as blatant but if if the story or even if it's like an emotional journey can be more overt and very directly communicated then I think that kind of storytelling is what people love the storytelling is great i remember the uh phrase that one of my english teachers always used which was show don't tell and i Mm. think you know people know that phrase um but it's really important i think in programming music and in how we connect with audiences and how i think how composers write which is uh you know you, you you there's all sorts of equivalents to the we will now tell you what kind of music is good and what you should like and pay attention (laughs) because pretty soon you're going to hear notes that go down that's like a staircase (laughs) and when you hear the staircase you should imagine a staircase you'll you'll hear the word (laughs) running down the hill that's because the notes are going down Oh, do, you know what I, do you know what I mean though? Because I, oh, I, yeah. I feel, in fact, I mean, we have in public speaking, there's this tell, I'm going to tell you what I'm going to tell you, then I'm going to tell you, and then I'm going to tell you what I told you. And 
I think it's about the least interesting and least human way to communicate. And it bleeds over into our into everything else that we do creatively. And there's pieces of music like that too, where they're just sort of like bludgeoning you with their own devices. But mm. I think the the best music, the best programming, the best performing um, shows instead of tells. And I think part of that is kind of the Steve Martin thing where it's like, be so good, people can't ignore you. And uh, you know, the, the, the stuff has to speak for itself, which is an argument in favor of be excellent at whatever it is you're gonna do. But then part of it is like, trust the audience, trust the listener, that if you do something that's really great and you're showing, 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 you're not going to have to bludgeon them with all the, the sort of didactic um, uh, stuff in the margins. Yeah. I think that's a great note to end on. We could probably keep going for hours about show, don't tell. And maybe that's another episode as well, but I think maybe we can look at a specific piece and, and talk about how that works. So, but, but well, I think that's great. My, Stevie's going to run, but my final thoughts would be uh, just what Andrew was talking about. It's, it's interesting how, you know, at an ACDA, it's, it's the tradition or culture. I don't even know, but you're, you just don't talk. Like nobody speaks, right? Mm -hmm. the, like the director will never speak. I don't know if, is that like a rule or something? I think they tell you you're not supposed to. Well, Andy Crane told me I'm not supposed to. Well, because it's like, and I think and I you, think it's they won't give you your plaque if you talk. <laughs> 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 and that's what really most we care about. So <laughs> I know it's all about the plaque. It's weird. I think it is like a cultural thing. Like do not do not speak at ACDA because speaking is yeah. unprofessional or whatever. But then in the concerts, everyone speaks. And in like a for fun concert, like a Voges Eight, you know, where they're touring, you know, they'll speak quite a bit more um but it's always you know finding the balance of like what's worth saying what's not worth saying uh what, what's going to add to the piece what needs to not be said what's going to be printed to the program but in acda you're trying to you know, you can't speak so every director feels like they have to write a dissertation on every single piece like here's every possible information i found on wikipedia for this piece and here's, <laughs> you know and you just you write oh, like a 17 page booklet and the whole concert i'm like am i supposed to read this or did you just write this because you were at acda you know like yeah. actually help? but i read it and almost every single time i'm like this i was the only thing this did was distract me from your singing so mm. I, like anyway but yeah. but the, going back to the voters a concert everything that they said everything that was printed was just so well thought out that it, it everything that was said or printed or performed only enhanced itself you know yeah totally they said it it was so that i could then enjoy the singing more they didn't say anything that was superfluous or you know useless to me it was all for that purpose and i think that's why programming is so interesting and so there's there's we could have seven episodes on programming yeah maybe we I, should vote say is now the the cream of the crop in my mind for programming oh yeah I think it's, it's healthy. I think it's healthy to be accountable to an audience because we're we're insulated from that. When we're in educational environments, we have different goals. You know, we we, we do want students to have breadth and exposure and all these other kinds of things. But nothing sharpens you like looking out at the people who paid money 
to hear you sing and they're only going to come back if you knock it out of the park yeah yeah that's <sighs> stressful but it's awesome but that's what, but that's what the business we're in I mean, if we're in the entertainment business it's it really is entertainment business more broadly speaking so yeah okay yeah. thanks everyone do for an, a fantastic should, should, do, should we do an outro chant we need our outro chant as uh, the typical Andrew special. We just chant outro, Stevie. You haven't been induced into the Andrew special outro chant yet. It's really awesome. Okay. One, two, three. Outro. 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 <laughs> <laughs> oh, you thing. Oh, kind of, I was thinking like Gregorian chant. Like, yeah. It's an early music podcast. What are you guys doing? <laughs> outro. <laughs> Yours is way better already. See, this hey, is wait. why we hired you. Now that there's three of us, we could do a, a Landini cadence to finish Order this them. thing off. Body. We should Landini cadence every time. Okay. It's six in the morning. <laughs> yeah. All right. Go away, people. That was fun. <laughs>